This week's episode of the Living Strong Podcast is brought to you by Canadian Protein. Are you guys tired of spending so much money on your supplements and not getting the best quality out there? Well, Canadian Protein has changed the game. They offer the best quality in supplements and in protein, all in bulk packaging and at a fraction of the price. I've been using their plant-based protein for months now. It's the best tasting protein I've ever had. They have so many different flavors and it's not at all chalky. If you guys want to get your hands on some Canadian protein supplements, head on over to canadianprotein.com and use code LIVINGSTRONGPOD at checkout for 10% off your first order. You are listening to the Living Strong Podcast. It is a movement to show that anyone out there in the world has the potential to become their best self and reach any goal they put their mind and heart to. Every week we'll be in your ears giving you tips, tricks and stories that will get you off the couch and turn your life around. Thank you for listening. Welcome back guys to another episode of the Living Strong Podcast. This week we sit down and discuss with Mike Salemi, a performance specialist. We discuss his journey from gymnastics to powerlifting to overall performance and how each time he transitioned into a sport it was because of an injury or something along those lines. It was a very interesting conversation and a lot to take in. We also touch upon nutrition and he gives three awesome ideas or tips, you we could call them, on how to go about eating and uh how to think about your food. Really, really interesting. We also finally touched upon some plant medicine and how it changed his life and the journey, what the journey really is. Something very interesting that I've been thinking about for a long time. Uh, Mike also uh, is releasing a new kettlebell lifestyle uh, program and he is giving our listeners a discount. So make sure to listen to the very end to uh, find that information out. Also, don't forget to go check out our Living Strong website, which is livingstrong.ca. On the website, you could subscribe to our our weekly newsletter, which in the newsletter, you'll get sometimes workouts, nutrition tips, recipes, and a bunch of other goodies, as well as you could check out our merchandise line, which we have t-shirts, caps, hoodies, sweaters, a bunch of stuff. So don't forget to go check that out and uh, let us know what you think about the website. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's podcast with Mike Salemi. Welcome back to another episode of the Living Strong Podcast. This week, I got Mike Salemi, another Italian, but he's in, where are you right now? You're in Cali? Yeah, I'm in Bay Area, Northern Cal. Northern Cali. So an Italian from Northern Cali, that's amazing. So it's, I, I think you're the first, no, you're not the first Italian, that's a lie, but you're a new Italian. <laughs> Go. Uh, so uh, welcome, uh, welcome, uh, Mike. Uh, welcome to the Living Strong Podcast. Uh, how are you doing? Dude, I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, this is fun. This is going to be my first podcast in quarantine. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? You're only your first. I'm, I've been on a roll with these things. I've been asking so many people. I'm like, I have the time. I'm going to take advantage of it, right? It's, yeah. Uh, you gotta you gotta look at the negative aspects as a positive, and you have to to take out the positive. You have to take as much positive as you can from these these bad times, and do what you can yeah. to build your businesses and build your health and all that, right? So. I'm really uh, riding the bull by the horns. Um, so, <laughs> so for people that might not know who you are, give us a quick about yourself, Mike. Sure. Yeah, I'm. A, I'd consider myself a performance specialist. I've gone through like many titles over the years, still trying to figure out one that encompasses a lot of what I do. But for the most part, I pretty much, very much, am focused on a holistic approach to strength, conditioning, human optimization, and. And with that, certainly it comes the training aspect, 
So what you do in the gym, but for me, it's equally, if not more important, what you do outside of the gym. So a lot of my training is very much based on balancing working out principles and working in principles. So inner work, taking care of your diet, taking care of your mind, taking care of your sleep, uh, how you communicate with yourself, how you communicate with others. So all of those aspects to build legitimately just uh, like a more resilient person and ultimately like a superhero. <laughs> that, that's my goal. I want to I build superheroes. <laughs> I like superheroes. Awesome. So where, when did your journey in this whole health and fitness world start? What, what, what happened before? How was your life before you, you jumped on this journey of health and fitness? Well, it's funny is like, you know, I feel very blessed and very grateful in the sense that I've known what I've wanted to do since I was a kid. Like nice. as soon as, I mean, as a competitive athlete, I was a gymnast at a young age and competed in okay. powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, kettlebell sports. So I've always competed and done multiple sports my whole life. But when I was 14 about, I had a, a lower spine injury that took me out of gymnastics. And then what happened is, is the person who rehabilitated me was a competitive powerlifter and very high level. He was a world champion at the time, drug free. And uh, he pretty much took me into his basement powerlifting team, his powerlifting club, which was like a family. And in that environment, I just like thrived. Like I loved training. I loved coaching. I started programming for the gym. So when I was about 14, I knew in some way, shape or form, that's when I started meal prepping. Like at 14 years old, I remember being That's crazy. Uh, in high school. I, yeah, my, my, my boys, my friends were, you know, <laughs> eating donuts and eating uh, – don't get me wrong from time to time i would eat donuts and stuff but for the most part 90 percent of the time like i was like dialed in diligent wanted to wanted to be as, as badass as i could you know that's awesome so what what made you at a young age uh go into gymnastics and all that was it something that like was your family um in in that sort of uh lifestyle or all that like in, in those sports like for me when i was a kid it was hockey because my father thought i was gonna be the next nhl player so that's what I was put in at two years old. I was on skates. I couldn't even walk yet. I was trying to skate. So that was what I was put in. And, and I did that until about 14, 15, until I started my own uh, journey into uh, my life, right? So was it because of that or was it just something that at an early age you really liked doing it and you started going into gymnastics and, and all that? I think two things, like to my parents, for sure. Parents were, were a big, big push, like, it was pretty much, I don't need, you, you know, it's funny. Like when I talked to my mom or something, I don't know why she chose gymnastics specifically, but I know she's always just appreciated the beauty of gymnastics movements, body control, uh, yeah. confidence. And so she put my brother, my older brother's two and a half years and my brother's my best friend. And so from, I think he, he actually started younger than me. I think he started at like, I don't even know, like four years old, five years, wow. something like that. And so I always observed my brother and so it was pretty much the parents, my, my mom and my dad kind of really pushing to get us into some type of physical activity. And they chose that. And then me following in my brother's footsteps. Now he was always better than me. Like he was always, he was always better than me. And uh, so it was just a great role model to have. He was someone yeah. I aspired to be. And yeah, along cool. the way, I've had amazing coaches and mentors in gymnastics. And so I think that's what also helped me stick with it for at least, at least until I got injured. Yeah, cool. And so you said at 14 years old, you got injured. That was when you were uh, brought into the world of powerlifting. And then from there, how did you, like, how, what was the, the storyline from your powerlifting at 14 to where you are now with kettlebells 
and Bulgarian bags and all that stuff. How did that happen? You know, what's funny is like, I've, oh, I've, I feel like I've, I've had this, um, inability to see like, I, man, like the Bulgarian bags now, like still they're starting to just starting to get popular. Yeah. Not yeah. so in wrestling, they're very well known because they come from the sport of wrestling. Right. Yeah. But outside of fitness, just starting to get popular, but I've been using the bag for 11 years. Wow. And like, even like, uh, man, there's been multiple kind of tools and movements. Like I've always been able to identify something like very, very early on and know if it was like BS or if it was a legit training tool or, or a training system. So, you know, the Bulgarian bag started almost around the time. No, actually I started lifting and competing in kettlebells around that time as well. So I've been lifting kettlebells much longer than the bag, okay. but it's, um, I've always kind of had that ability. And what's interesting is the transition from one kind of sport or one avenue of life to the other always came. Every transition point came due to injury, every okay. single one. So in gymnastics, it was a lower spine injury. Um, in powerlifting, I kind of had like this, this pec injury. And I was also not, not too, at that time, not too happy with, there's a lot of, um, there's, I don't know how familiar you are with powerlifting, but there's like, organizations yeah. that are drug free and non-drug free and yeah. there's just like uh, different geared organizations it was just a lot to, to to focus on so um most of the time though it always came via injury and then that led the window to the next sport cool and uh so <clears throat> let me see if i could phrase the sentence properly so why now do you still stick with the kettlebells and the bulgarian bikes what what do you like about them so much? And you're nodding your head. So I know that's the right question to ask. <laughs> so I've taken a break from competing from kettlebell sports specifically because yeah. you can lift kettlebells and then you have the competitive aspect of the sport. So the competitive aspect is the, it's the national sport of Russia. It's the main way they train and condition the Russian military. Crazy. It's just it's crazy. It's crazy. A lot <laughs> it's of just crazy to think that it's a sport in Russia, just kettlebells. That's <laughs> It's just mind-boggling. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've, I haven't competed, I want to say, in approximately two-ish years, maybe a little longer, okay. two to three years. And for me, it, I, I, there's certainly other goals that I do have in the sport, but I was able to, to reach a goal that I've been trying for multiple, multiple years. Um, reach kind of like a, if you want to equate it to martial arts, it would be like a black belt level. Okay. Uh, as well as winning the, in one organization, there's a few different organizations, but winning the world championships. And so once that, that happened, I mean, again, I still have goals that I'd love to achieve, but there was, there's been just in my life, there's been a transition where I'm less concerned and interested in being the athlete anymore as like identifying with that so much. Okay. And now stepping into the role of, of, of more of a teacher. And I've been teaching for, for, for a good amount of years but now it's like, this is all I want to do is now just share what I'm learning. And so the beauty thing, the beauty about the kettlebell and the Bulgarian bag is at least what I see. I mean, unless you're competing in a very specific sport, like let's say powerlifting, where you have to develop one heavy rep max on a squat bench dead, Olympic yeah. weightlifting, the kettlebell and the Bulgarian bag are like two of the most versatile tools with one bell and one bag. You can literally, I mean, there's and I mean this with no exaggeration, there's hundreds of exercises you can sure. do with the kettlebell. Same for with sure. the back. So it develops total body strength, body awareness, positioning, timing, training in 360 degrees, strengthening the littlest muscles of your body in conjunction with the larger muscles, level changing, 
I mean, it's, it's really can teach you how to be very athletic without focusing on being athletic. Like yeah. it just, it kind of happens if you do the movements and you understand the quality, you know what I'm saying? And it's also comes to, down to also like uh, what I find a lot in all strength training, it's the, the mind muscle uh, connection. And I find when you are using that kettlebell, I haven't used a Bulgarian bag yet. I have yet to find one at a decent price, but now with this whole thing going on, uh, everything is like three, four, five. I don't know if you saw prices of gym equipment now, but like everything is skyrocket. It doesn't make any sense. But anyways, uh, I've done a lot of sandbags, which are for me sort of, I don't, maybe I'm saying something wrong right now, but are sort of the same thing. <laughs> you're going to uh, get in trouble, bro. I'm going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. I've been using a lot of sandbags. I've been using a lot of kettlebells. And yeah. the, when you really put the mind and uh, mind-muscle connection, well, when you're training for, to start off, you have to have that mind-muscle connection to really develop your strength. But I find with the kettlebells, and also when I'm working with my sandbag, it just, it's like tenfold when you do it. Uh, like you said, you, you get all those little muscles that get into the play. You get those movements, those sweeps, those, a bunch of stuff. And it's just really, I, I love it. And I try to do like a full day, like, um, I do like a three day split regular style bodybuilding. Now I'm getting into that. Uh, but I try to do two days that are very more uh, mobility style training and, and functional training and I'm always using my kettlebells and I'm always using my sandbag and eventually eventually Mike I'll be using a Bulgarian bag <laughs> well, I'll help you out with that I'll help you out with that <laughs> awesome uh, so uh, what I saw on your Instagram uh, you have certifications in all this so what led you to to become certified I know you mentioned you like to teach people and all that but was that like you, you, you said from the beginning that from an early age you knew what you wanted to do was that the goal when you were when you were young? You say, you know what? I want to be a, a trainer. I want to show people how to to work out. I want to show people how to live a better life, a stronger life, and all that. Or did that eventually come into the path of your life? You know, it kind of just happened naturally. Naturally, and just yeah, it just happened naturally. And I just there was never really if if it was a goal or an aspiration, it just kind of came out organically, like just just like you know, all of us, we, we like to help people yeah. or we like to, we like to do good things for others. I think it's just a natural human. Like you want to help a family member, a friend. And, and I remember being in that powerlifting gym and I just enjoyed training. Like that's that powerlifting gym when I was 14, 14 and a half until, you know, my early twenties or mid twenties, like that was home for me. Like after every day after school, boom, I'd go to the gym on the weekends. I'd be in the gym and it was a a private gym so we there was only like 18 of us that were highly competitive we each had a key wow so it was in a cool it was in a guy's big 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 basement so it was very much a family you know we'd have wine uh, after <laughs> after trainings um it, it, there's a bar there in, in the dude's house and so we need dinners awesome. on weekends and so that was really home and so i just had so many good positive associative memories from that time and from those years that like one i loved training and then i also loved just yeah just sharing so i started doing the programming for other lifters my brother and other people who came in okay. and then the gym and then even in high school i was running while i was in high school i was running our strength and conditioning program for our high school wow. um yeah the 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 head strength coach or the person running it was also the basketball coach and we had a really athletic school okay. so he was always like he had no interest 
no interest in the weightlifting. He's like, dude, you seem really interested in this, Mike. Why don't you take it? I was like, all right, let's go. So I was programming for a whole class in college. That's and really cool. It, it kind of just, you know, I got a lot of fulfillment out of it and sharing and wanting to help others. So it just started evolving and evolving. And then now it's just like, how can I share it at a larger level and, and support more people through, through their own, you know, process and development. Cool. And how are you doing that? Are you doing like online trainings? You have private clients. How do you, do you help the bit of everything? Man, it's, it's, well, it's changing so much. Yeah. Like we're all like, everything's changing, which is interesting. Like I would say 80% of my time and energy before was spent on traveling, teaching workshops and certifications. So I was on the road almost two weeks a month. Well, and then now it's obviously zero yeah. <laughs> for, for an unforeseen amount of time. So I've had, when the coronavirus came up, like in that first week, I had nine workshops all canceled. Wow. So it's, it's been an interesting process. I, I have some online programs, but now I'm a hundred percent focused on developing, scaling, working on the online medium. So like online programs on kettlebell training, building balanced athlete wellness. I also work a lot with uh, first responders and firefighters. Okay. So I'm developing a program with a partner on that. Um, a little bit of one-on-one -on -one coaching, but most of my one-on-one -on -one coaching is very focused and it'll be like someone will come out for one day, two days or three days and stay okay. with me at my home. And we cool. do a whole lifestyle training rehabilitation if it's needed. Um, so it'll be a lot of online offerings and then a little bit of, of, you know, one-on-one -on -one stuff. Very cool. Very, very cool. I like that whole, like you said, the on-site training three days. Uh, I find that that really puts the person into new shoes, let's say like they see how everything is. Cause you could talk to a person and say, okay, well you should look at this. You should do this. You should do that. But when they really see you're doing it yourself and how to do it and how to prepare and how to eat healthy, how to, uh, the whole, like you said, a whole lifestyle change. Uh, I feel like, personally, I think it would work a lot more than just a person on a Zoom call. So, okay, well, this week you should plan your meals this way, that way, you know? It's interesting. Very cool. I like that. You know what's funny on that topic? Like, uh, you know, we're doing the best. I'm doing the best I can with these virtual. And the virtual sessions, to be honest, like, are not as bad as I thought they were. Okay. As like, they're, granted, there is no replacement for in person. No, for sure. But like, I've got a firefighter that I do sessions with. He's actually in Chicago. Um, and we do, he doesn't know how to cook at all. Like it's something okay. that's always intimidated him and his family. And so we do virtual cooking sessions. That's like so where cool. He's got his Instapot. I've got my <laughs> Instapot. I tell him exactly what to bring. He shows up, I'm doing it. And so we're, I'm, we're going through it together yeah. and he's asking questions. Why are you putting this in? Why are we putting this in? And so by the end of the hour, he gets a protein and, and two, like a, a veggie dish, a whatever. Yeah. What can you cook in an hour? Ask your questions. It's a follow along. I don't know how to cut these things. What do I do? <laughs> Put the camera down, bro. <laughs> Show the food. Show the carrots. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. That's really, really cool. And you know what? I'm, like like I, I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this podcast, we're taking these bad times, but we're, we're learning new ways of doing running our business and and and. and uh, growing our business which is amazing and and the way i look at it we we wouldn't have had this time elsewhere we wouldn't have taken a week two weeks three weeks just to you know what let me reassess my life let me look at what i'm doing let me try to try something new let me start that business i've been talking about for a long time so 
we got to take this also a bit for granted. I know it's really bad what's going on out in the world, but take it and, and better yourself. And like, I have a morning uh, Instagram story that I do all the, all the time. And it's always just about guys can't, don't have any equipment, do 30 pushups. You have time. You can't explain to me that you don't have time. Well, you can't eat this, 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 because they don't have any more in the store. Well, then eat veggies, more veggies, eat more this, eat more protein, grow yourself, become better. And then what's going to happen is it takes, what, 21 days to build a habit? Well, we're almost at that 21 day now of quarantine. If, if, you, would have, if you would have stuck with something good for 21 days, well, guess what? You're going to be a better person when you come out of this, right? I think that's a great point, man. Like, that's something that I've been really thinking about is like, how, you know, what are the things, what, how are you going to be better by the end of this? And yeah, I never would never ever would have prioritized the things that I'm prioritizing now because I was always on the road. And so, and traveling, as you can imagine, if, if I'm sure you do some traveling, it's yeah. like traveling's tough, man. Like international travel, trying to think, trying food, sleep, tea, all that stuff. Yeah. And now just being home, like, to be honest, I don't want to travel anymore. Like I'll go to conferences. You know, I love the in-person. I really do. But man, like I'm figuring out and I've figured out like, wow, I I can actually, I don't need to go to that meeting or I don't need to maybe teach there. Like I could do something similar online. And, and it's been, it's been a very humbling, a very humbling experience for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. So, We'll jump back into some some training and health stuff. And what I wanted to know from you is your mindset on what like what's your mindset on training, uh, health, well being, and life. How do you go about it? How do you teach that to your your clients and at your conferences? What's that mindset that you go forward with? Yeah, I would probably say there's certain things in my own training in my own life that I definitely share and and work with clients on that is kind of same, but then also not much. There's also a lot of differences because like I'm pretty, I would consider myself when it comes to training and stuff like pretty intense, okay. not, not, not even so much in terms of like, I beat the crap out of myself. That's not what I'm in the gym. I'm not trying to say that, but like I've always been on the more disciplined side. So as I was mentioning, like even from 14, you know, in high school is when people were drinking and don't get me wrong. I was drinking for sure. Like I think, my freshman year, I drank alcohol. And then after that, I stopped drinking, you know, like, it was just, uh, I've always been like, super disciplined in that respect. Like, as soon as I identified or a coach told me like, hey, this is not, you know, healthy for you You shouldn't do this is going to take away from your with the numbers you're going to hit, etc. I was like, okay, done. Let's pull it. Stopped eating fast food from a kid like, so meal prepping every day at, you know, 14, or if I was eating lunch at school is very selective. So I've always been more on the discipline side and I've always felt like that was my biggest strong suit. And I also know it can be overwhelming for people if they were to try and uh, if they're, if they're not in a place in their life or it's not a goal that they want to have, like my goal was always as a sport, as an athlete to win a world championships. And so that's a very different goal than maybe if you just want to get fit. Um, Just, you know, different approach to training, different mindset, the recovery needs are going to be different. So there is some correlations, but I would say like, I definitely don't train my clients in the same way I would train myself and try do my very best to just meet them where they're at and, and give them some bite-sized chunks. But that's, that's kind of how I would, how I approach it more or less. Okay, cool. And your training. So we know now that you're, you're big with the kettlebells and the Bulgarian bike, but do you do also other types of training 
throughout the week or is it mostly focused on that and body weight? You know, in this moment, I've really been trying, like, I think the whole theme of, of Corona is like reassess, Yeah. reassess your relationships, reassess your training, reassess, you know, how you take care of yourself. And so right now I've been doing these daily lives where yeah. I've been going live. I've been originally intended on doing it for like 15 minutes. So I put like 9.30 to 9.15 Pacific. And like, dude, I don't think I've had one less than like 45 to an hour, two hour ones. Yeah. Like, it's just, I love connecting with people and I love teaching. So they, these morning sessions, which are, they started off as, okay, let's do some workouts. And then now they're like technical instruction, workouts. I teach stretching on days, active meditation. Yeah. So it's like a whole, the, every, a sample of, I guess, of what everything I do to support people. And, um, so I've pretty much just been doing those, which honestly have not been too, like, for me, they're not, they're just good movement sessions, right? Yeah. They're not super taxing. So, but I was traveling so much that I hadn't really trained hard in a long time before this, that now after three-ish weeks, I'm ready to actually add in maybe an extra day, an extra two of actually some additional, like more tough training, but pretty much it's just been body weight one light kettlebell and i've mixed up one light bulgarian bag for the last three-ish weeks cool cool yeah i've been on i attended i think it was last week i did one of your your trainings i'm pretty sure it was last week yeah it was the last time we spoke actually so it was, like, it was about last week I, I and it's cool it's cool that like so many people are getting onto that right now you know like the instagram like i have a buddy of mine that has a podcast and he's like well you know what to to build more uh to, to help you more people and all that. I mean, I'm going to start doing some live podcasts on Instagram and you did that a bit with, uh, with Charlie and, and uh, Charlie did one with me with a bunch of other people. Like it's just really cool that we're all trying to help everybody stay on a positive note and we're doing anything we can. And there, the sky's the limit when it comes to these sort of things. And, and thank God for technology during this time, because it would have been a lot harder if we were back in the 1900s and this happened. <laughs> a lot <Yeah>. of <laughs> it's totally true like i'm thinking right now so i I'm, i live alone okay and like i'm starting the for sure the lives have been really helpful you know communicate even connecting with you right now and yeah. like charlie but there is something to be said like with isolation like i've definitely there's been moments where like i'm usually okay being alone like i i can do that but yeah man, I'm starting to feel, you know, three weeks without really seeing, you know, people like yeah. or real people. Like I go outside and maybe there's one person walking their dog, but they're maintaining the social distancing. So yeah, definitely I'm going to hug my family member <laughs> as soon as I see him, you know, for sure. For sure. So one thing that, uh, I really like, uh, about you, Mike, that I've seen through your, uh, social media. And I think this is the first way I've met you. I forgot how, cause uh, Charlie asked me this question last week. He's like, how did you meet Mike? Was it through him? Was it through Charlie or was it through you? Like, and I already had uh, been following you for a while before uh, I saw you again on Charlie's podcast. And I think it was because of this question I'm going to ask you right now. And it's the plant medicine. So I know you're big, well, big on that. You uh, done uh, some, uh, some sessions. I, I don't know how, I'm not going to say the proper terms, but I want you to explain it all. So yeah, yeah. Um, talk to us a bit about that. How did you get into that? And why did you uh, start uh, playing with plant medicine and experiencing these, whatever you want to call them? 
Yeah, to put some context around it, like when I was even in high school, yeah, especially in high school, when I really started focusing on my health and wellness, like again, like it was rare, especially after freshman year of high school that I would drink at all. And especially when a lot of people were getting into pot and such like that. And, you know, it just was oh, all that whole world. I had a very negative association with it. Yeah. Like I always viewed it. My context was my buddies, you know, getting high and et cetera. And just like slow reaction times. It would take them forever to say a sentence. <laughs> like, you know, and they just, I just saw it associated with potentially like lack of performance, laziness, yeah. um, not really having dreams or just being okay and settling. Like I just, that was my viewpoint at the time based off of those experiences. And same thing in college, you know, it was more of an escape, a party thing. And again, that's fine. But when I was really, you know, competing, it, I just fe felt it to be the, um, something in my way, not supportive and detractive. Yeah, sure. So that was my viewpoint over the years, over the years. And it actually wasn't until 2013, I think it was mid 2013. And I was working one on one with a, uh, an amazing, amazing holistic health practitioner, a guy named Paul Check, okay. who very skilled in the realm of corrective exercise, nutrition, gut health, mental, emotional health. And he was the person, the only person that was able to rehabilitate me from an injury that no one could figure out. It was an issue with my left forearm called the compartment syndrome. Okay. And it was messing with my whole competitive nature. Like I could not compete to the level I wanted. And so through the process of working on that, identifying that healing, that injury, Paul is also a licensed shaman. And so okay. he utilizes, cause he, he's way more than just, let's say physical training does some very deep work in, in healing, especially in, in the healing arts. And so once I started working with him and I had studied his work for a long amount of time since I was 18, actually, Whoa. but I didn't know that he utilized plants for healing. And so really, you know, we had worked together very closely for two and a half years and it was just an amazing experience and an enlightening experience just to, it's kind of like, you know how like kids, like maybe, you know, I'm not a father, but my, my brother has, has a child or just parents. You don't really have to tell your kids much. You just observe as kids, what your parents do. Yeah. And you, that's the best teaching there is. Exactly. Right. So I was like a lot of my sessions, I'd fly down once a month to San Diego. I'd work with Paul for one to two full days and or half days sometimes. And, I would observe him in his, in his environment, like, you know, just how he eats, how he moves, how he, you know, his personal practice, his, his boundaries and his limitations with working with people, how he was using medicines for himself and for his clients. And I was really just in awe at the potential for healing, for beauty, for uh, deeper levels of awareness. Um, it was just a very interesting experience to see someone in their natural environment utilizing these two i'm going to call them tools in a such a beautiful profound spiritual in, in just an, an incredible way in a healing way and so it completely flipped my association like my context for him and i was like i was just very interested and so he towards the end of our coaching after about two-ish years yeah about oh, two-ish yeah. years he had uh, supported me and taken me through a plant medicine experience and um it was just a very beautiful, like heart opening, um, just a very, very beautiful experience. And so since then, 
I've started for whatever reason, whatever you want to call it, the universe, whatever, it just, I've, I've started noticing people coming into my life okay. that have been in those circles or serve these plant medicines or uh, maybe do things that support plant medicines like breath work or meditation. And so now my circle of friends since then is, is people who, if they don't, aren't maybe in the, in that world, may, maybe they do something like they have a float tank center <laughs> or something like yeah. that. And, um, so it's just been a, a beautiful kind of evolution and I've gotten so much out of them, especially one in particular, it's actually not a plant medicine. It's from a frog that I actually went down the path of actually serving that medicine. So I've gone through training. And so now wow. I serve a particular medicine called combo. And, um, it, it's like I said, I, it, it all started, I would say from trying to improve performance. Everything that I've done has always been, how can I be a better athlete, a more resilient human, develop myself better? And I feel the, the medicines, if used properly and someone's ready for it and they have the support after to help them navigate the experiences, can be some of the most beautiful things that we can add into our life. It's not doesn't necessarily mean it's for everybody and no, there for is sure. some work that needs to be done before and during and after, but... Uh, they're, they're incredible tools for, for, for human growth and, and athletic potential. Crazy. And like now how crazy, <laughs> yeah, crazy. first word, first word after that, after that crazy. ramble, you're yeah, like crazy. You just, I just saw you looked down. You're like crazy, man. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. No, cause I, I've been, uh, following, uh, and I, 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 I know, you know, him. Uh, well, I think your friends were well, your friends with him, Kyle, uh, Kingsbury and all that. And, yep. and, I've been like saying, fuck all these guys on it. Uh, Audrey, all, like I've been following them, reading their books and these plant medicines that they're doing and all these things are opening up. And, and then Kyle with his story of how it, it changed his life. Like, and I'm like, fuck, I, I need to, I, I want to try this. I don't want to try this. I don't know what's going on. And, and then, uh, so like to, to, to talk to a person face to face and, and understand why they went into it and what's happened afterwards the benefits and all that it's just really interesting to see and like uh i don't know it's just for me it's 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 uh it's something that i would like to try i don't know if i'm at that stage yet that i'm going to jump into it but it's it's something that i've been looking into and it's really really cool my wife thinks i'm crazy that i'm looking into this stuff but <laughs> it's okay i'll make her talk to you afterwards no we're, my whole family <laughs> thinks i'm crazy bro yeah. my, my whole every, every my whole <laughs> yeah for sure i feel, I feel you like uh, I, uh, well, we're both Italian, right? So, and, uh, my, um, uh, my grandmother thinks like I'm killing, I used to be 300 pounds and my wow. grand, yeah, my grandmother thinks I'm killing myself because now I'm 185 and I'm weight training <laughs> and I'm eating healthy. And like, I don't have those three plates of pasta when I go over anymore. So I feel exactly what you're feeling with a plant medicine. I'm feeling it with my whole diet and everything. It's just <laughs> out of this world. Oh, that's so, yeah. awesome. That's yeah. great. So now that I just mentioned diet, how do you go about your uh, whole uh, eating, nutrition, diet, lifestyle uh, compared with your your plant medicine and your, your training and all that? How, how do you combine everything? Yeah, I think that's I think that's something that is one of the things that I've really focused on over the years. And it happens partially like consciously and partially unconscious or subconsciously unconscious, whatever. Like I didn't always, and I'll share what, how I eat right now, but I didn't always obviously eat like this. Like it's been just an evolution. Yeah, I think for sure. 
it's been uh, like if people come over to my house, they're like friends or whatever that aren't into this, this, this world, this kind of holistic healing and nutrition and taking care of yourself world. It's like, you know, my, my fridge is going to look like a farmer's market pretty much. That's like, yeah, well, mine too. People are right? crazy. It's just, I, I get used to it. I get used uh, yeah. To it. Uh, you just, you just develop and each year you get a little more dialed in and a little bit exactly. more dialed in, you know? Exactly. Um, so how I really, you know, around the medicine work, and I can share that after the diet around that is slightly different. Okay. So that's a unique diet for preparation. Usually it happens about a month out. Uh, at least one, depending on the, on the medicine, a week to a month out. And it's, and it's pretty different from how I normally eat. But for me, it's been an interesting, like when I look back from high school, right? I remember the first, I think, nutrition book I ever had was EAS nutrition, whatever their nutritional guide was. Okay. And so it was very much about counting your calories and weighing your food and measuring your food and kind of like the standard American diet without the processed stuff, you know? Yeah heavy on the carbs and here's what you do. And, uh, and I think, you know, at the time it worked to an extent, right? Like compared to what I was eating before it was healthier and it kept me disciplined. But then over the years after like weighing and measuring for so many years and competing and cutting weight and really the big transition was once I started learning about Paul checks work, which is much more along the lines of teaching you and teaching people an intuitive way to eat and take care of themselves. Okay. That okay. now, you know, the best way to describe it is like, um, I, I eat in a flexible diet, a flexitarian, a really, but within that, I would say there's different, there's principles that are equal. So I would say I eat more or less a paleo type diet. Okay. So it's going to be like, I usually don't eat grains very much or at all. Um, sugars, I limit to a big extent. I don't drink alcohol you know, beans, all the kind of the, the paleo stuff that, that is not usually in, in alignment with that diet. I usually pretty much stay away from also mainly because not because they're bad, but because I just have a, my gut reacts to them. Yeah. Like if I have gluten, like I'll literally, my neck swells, my tongue swells, Shit. my bowel movements are off my stomach. Like I always had gut issues. Okay. So I have to be very super mindful with what I eat and and how that affects my body so it's not i have nothing against those other foods it's just they don't not supportive to me you know so outside of that like the most important thing for me is nutrient quality so i do my very best to get you know grass-fed grass-finished meat um that we've got i've got a great company that i now work with called bel campo meats which is like amazing quality food um and so quality is number one and then really just I do a lot of fasting. Um, fasting has been pretty common and just, I have a, a, a practice or a ritual that before every meal I place my hands over my food. And so it's kind of like a time to one, give thanks. If you want to call it a prayer, you can call it a prayer, but it's really just a time to connect, give thanks for the food. And then also check in and ask myself, is this what I feel I should be eating? Uh, and so it's, it's been, years that I've been doing that practice that originally Paul check had shown me. And over time you start developing a connection with the food. You start actually feeling the energy of, I mean, food's alive. And so it's, it might sound strange or out there, but you know, it's like anything else you're developing your subtle levels of awareness and you can get a, you know, a feeling of like, okay, maybe I shouldn't eat this or maybe I should have less, maybe I should have more. And so I let that process guide how much I'm going to eat and what I'm going to eat. 
That's really uh, interesting. I like that whole uh, hands over the food thing. I'm, I'm going to try doing that today. I'm, gonna, I'm interested on that. Really cool how, how that, like I, I understand the concept behind it, connecting with your food before you actually take it in to see if it's really what you want to eat and, and is it really something that, that's going to bring you a step forward or is it going to take you a step back and doing that, that connection. Cool. See, one, th- one thing if you're open to it, you can, yeah, yeah. One thing if you're open to it, you can try it. And the listeners too are listening is pretty cool. A buddy of mine, uh, Jator uh, Pierre, had shared this with me. Um, you can do the hands over your food, right? Give a little thanks and just, and just try and connect. And then also, what you can do is explore eating with your, obviously, you can open your eyes if you would like to put the food in your mouth yeah. <laughs> or just eat with your hands. So, eating with your hands, obviously, not soup. But yeah. with your hands, right? I've tried that. It's not really, you can't be just messy. Um, but like dimming the lights pretty low, maybe having a candle, eating with your hands. And then the third thing is, so you have your hands over the food, you have dim lights, eat with your hands. And then the third thing is closing your eyes when you eat. The combination of those three things, the eyes, eating with the hands, and then placing the hands over the food, it's a completely different experience with relationship to how you feel and connect with food and have that experience. That's crazy. I'm really curious um, to see what you and or the listeners experience from any one of those, but the combination of, of all three. Okay. So we're going to do a little thing right now. Listeners, when you guys listen to this <laughs> podcast, I want everybody to try doing one of those three or all three and then comment on the podcast image on Instagram or send me or Mike a DM on how it works. I'm going to start with the hands over the food as of today because I think for me, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not 100 strict with my diet. I, I I'm gonna call it I'm a flexitarian, but I'm also more plant based than uh, animal uh, animal meats. If I do ever eat animal meats, it doesn't mean I eat it on a weekly basis. But if ever I'm doing eating animal meat, I have to know where that animal is sourced from and all that. So it's not like I'm gonna go buy hamburger patties from the the grocery store or whatever. I need to know where that, that meat came from. I, that's the way I am. Uh, so it just makes me eat less meat often. Like I'll have eggs because my father-in-law has a chicken. So I'll take eggs. Uh, I'll have like, that, that's, that's the way I look at my, my, my diet. So my fridge is really holistic style. Uh, it looks like a farmer's market, like you said. Uh, but that's, that's the way I am. And people think I'm crazy for that. But I still have, those little snacks here and there. I'll still have like that jar of peanut butter that's just looking at me like, ooh, have me with a spoonful. So like doing that, that before you eat, look like taking that time because whenever I do have those bad snacks or, or I, I go off a bit on my diet, in a moment, yeah, you're happy. You're having something good, right? But then all of a sudden afterwards, like, oh, shit, why did I have that? And for me, putting the hands over the food is not only connecting me with my food, but it's also making me think, am I going to regret this? Because in the moment, you don't think about that. But if you take that time and you, and you sit back and you, and you close, like you said, close your eyes, all these things together, they make you think of the afterwards. They don't, they're not making you think of the present and what you want, what, your, what your, your mind is telling you want. Because sometimes what your mind is telling you that you want is not really what your body needs. And, and doing that is going to make the connection a lot better for me personally. And I think a lot of the viewers and listeners are going to like that whole concept that we just came, well, that you came up with uh, right now. Awesome. Beautiful. I love it. It's a great way to just slow things down. 
Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. It slows the whole process down. And when you, when you do with your eyes closed, take at least one deep breath. Okay. That also really slows things down when you're, cause a lot of times I've noticed in myself, like if I place my hands over my food and I've just come from an appointment or even like a training session, right? Like a lot of times my post-workout meal is like my favorite meal of the day. It's like when all the cells are just craving yeah. food, right? So when your heart rates up, you're in sympathetic mode and you sit down and you put your hands over and your hands are shaking, right? Your hands are shaking over. You're like, oh, damn, like my nervous system got taxed today. And um, you can still be in that go, go, go mode. And so that's also a great opportunity just to take, you know, one, two, three breaths, slow it down. And that's also been a great way to connect a little bit deeper and closer and, and even faster with the food because sometimes like after a training session it's just like you just want i just want to scarf yeah for sure man i got some sweet potatoes in the oven i'm coming out with some butter some ghee on there yeah i just want those things in my belly right away exactly and like especially when i have big training days oh man it's just like uh, (laughs) like i'm like the cookie monster but like with a bunch of other stuff i'm just taking stuff out of the (laughs) fridge and like i can't control myself because my body's craving so much food craving so much energy right because i just i just depleted my body on a big training day right so and and it's just making sure that you're getting the right foods for your needs and the right foods for your body uh and doing all these little tips and tricks before that it really combines it and really like you said health and fitness and, and the lifestyle it's just all combined right the even with the whole plant medicine thing it, it, it it's a bigger picture of it all and you could have bits and pieces of it but after a while like you were saying with your diet it, every year you grab a new thing and, and it's the same thing with with changing your life and changing your diet and, and becoming a better person and becoming stronger it's not going to happen with a snap, a snap of a finger every couple months or every couple years you're gonna you're gonna learn something new like fasting for me you mentioned fasting and now we're going to talk a bit about that. But like for me, fasting, I try to do intermittent fasting out of the seven days a week. I try to do it on five. So I'll stop eating right after supper and I won't eat after my post-workout meal uh, around 11 o'clock uh, in the, the next day. So that, that's my intermittent fasting. And then on the weekends, I'm a bit more lenient because I like to make my, my uh, uh, pancakes or I'll do like a, a morning brunch with my wife. So like I'm a bit more lenient on that. And it's just, I didn't learn about that. Oh, I'm changing my lifestyle. I'm going to learn about fasting. No, I've been on this journey of my life change for now three and a half years. Mm. I've learned about it maybe a year ago. And I only started implementing it maybe eight months ago. So like it shows that you'll learn, you'll, you'll grasp, you'll, you'll, you'll read, you'll find more information about it, And then you'll take something and you bring it in. So people might, today might not start going with their hands over their meal or closing their eyes. but they listened to it. They learned it. They're going to look more into it. And maybe down the line, they're going to implement that or they're going to implement something else, right? And that's just how we get ourselves 1% better every day is by learning and by implementing little things to change our lifestyle. Because, and you could agree or disagree with me, I find that when you're healthy and you're fit and uh, you're, you're uh, connecting with your body and your mind on certain levels, everything else around you, all your other aspects of your life just mm-hmm. go skyrocket. I don't know if you're the same, like you have the same vision as I have on that. Yeah, I would totally agree. It's like, yeah, yeah the better you can, like your whole being just elevates. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It's just uh, like when I have a hard workout in the morning, 
there's nothing else harder than my hard work around the morning. I could get a bad call from work and say, oh, shit, uh, something's going down. You have to go fix this, that, that. Okay, yeah, no problem. It's easy. I just, <laughs> I just, I just did something ridiculous. And that's, like, that's the way I look at it. And that's, that's what keeps me from being very disciplined with my workouts, very disciplined with my, my morning rituals. Uh, because without that, I find my day is just wasted okay. the rest of the day. Yeah. So you mentioned a bit of fasting and you also mentioned your diet before uh, going into a, a plant uh, medicine ceremony and all that. So what's your fasting? Are you more on the intermittent side or you do like two day, three day fasts and all that? Yeah, I'd say right now it's almost like once a month, once every okay. two months, I'll do like a two two plus day, not quite three yet. I haven't done a full three days, so like two and a half day fast. Okay. Um, I'd like to do a five day fast soon. Wow. Uh, and there's... Well, it's like, it's always, I've always wanted to do longer fast, but my travel schedule has just been crazy Yeah, and not so much like I could fast for that long on the road. But if I've got to teach and I'm ex like a lot of the, when you, when I teach a Bulgarian back certification, I'm, yeah. we're, we're moving for like nine, nine ish hours. Not it's all learned by doing. Yeah. And so it's like demo, teach, demo, teach, demo, teach. And I'll sometimes train with the people just to support them a little bit more. So it's incredibly physically demanding. So I've just never the last three years, especially haven't been in a situation where I've been able to do it, but usually I'll, I'll every like, you know, pretty much six to seven days a week, it'll at least be a minimum of a 12 hour, 12 hour fast, but usually about a 15 to 18 hour fast nice. six days a week. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. And what, what made you start doing that? Was it because of how you had to eat before the plant medicine ceremonies, or it was just something that you picked up along the way into your, your journey of life? Yeah, just something I picked up along the way. And I was just especially haven't had digestive issues as a kid, like I had fungal infections, parasite infections, uh, stomach ulcers yeah. as a result of uh, H. pylori. And so what I found was is, for me personally, you know, digestion's always been hard for me. And so until I started really healing my gut, now it's it's fine. But I found I felt better uh, skipping some meals. Like it was like it, my digestive system was getting a break. And I was like, wow, like not only am I digesting better, but I'm feeling more energized. I'm sleeping better. I'm recovering better. And so there was a lot of positive kind of side effects or byproducts of fasting that maybe I didn't necessarily think were going to happen. Yeah. And then now it's just like, it's kind of just a, a normal thing. But with the plant medicines, it, it also depends on what medicine, but usually, usually, um, if I'm going on a, like, let's say a, a one week retreat or something like that, where it's going to be multiple days of medicines, the minimum is a week, but usually it's about a month. And during that month, it'll be, I'll start limiting uh, animal proteins. And then towards the end, it'll just be, you know, either mainly purely plant-based or at least just very light, like white fish or a little bit of, you know, chicken breast, chicken meat. Um, so it, the proteins get lighter and lighter. The, I would say the plant-based nutrients go up, up, up. Then also typically you start limiting salt. Okay. Uh, there's like no sugar, no caffeine. Um, you just really want to make your body as clean as possible and as sensitive as possible. So you can work with the medicines, no chocolate, stuff like that. Crazy. So but I then never, there I is, never knew there about is, that. I didn't know about that. That's really yeah. Then there, I mean, it's I mean, it, every culture and everyone's gonna you know. Re, there's plenty of people who do plant medicine work that don't do any diet for sure. Okay. But what I found is is through just heeding the, the the guidance or listening to the guidance of some of the shamans and people I've worked with, and then having done it enough times over the years, 
it really, for me, does make a profound difference. And then there, there is certain foods, depending on the medicine, that you don't want to eat because they can counter their kind of like contraindications. Okay. So, um, and then also there's cultural, you know, things as well, like certain foods culturally, uh, they don't want you to eat as well. So like pork is kind of a big one, yeah. uh, whether, whether it's in fact contraindicated or from a spiritual perspective, cultures that that's usually a common one, almost, almost across the board in a lot of medicines that they don't want you to eat. So, uh, that's more or less what it kind of looks like. Very clean, very bland, but not too bad. Okay, cool. And so what would be, uh, going back, touching back on the plant medicine, what would be uh, one that you, you always go back to? Is it the one that you're, you're, you're able to give now at the Cambo or, or do you do multiple different types of plant medicine throughout? So I serve three medicines. Okay. Uh, com combo is, uh, uh, combo. so interesting thing about Combo. So Combo comes from the secretion of a particular type of frog. And Combo okay. is not psychoactive. Okay. So, and it's also not illegal. Uh, it's not toxic to the human body. You can't OD on it. So it's very, very safe. It's a natural medicine. It's been used for thousands of years. And cool. it was used as a hunter's medicine or a warrior's medicine, which is why I, it, it attracted me. Like I was utilizing it for performance. Okay. Like that was my first interaction with the medicine. And it's a very short medicine as well. It only lasts about 20 to 40 minutes, or that's typically an application of how long someone will have it. And it's used very well as its own type of medicine, but also, and I, and I say the word medicine for anyone who's listening, like not medicine in the Western sense, yeah, like, for sure. like more like natural healing, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but it can be used as its own, but also it's used very much in conjunction with the other plant medicines, like let's say ayahuasca, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, yeah. uh, these other ones to help prepare people for it because it's, it's one of the most, if not the most powerful cleansing medicines. Okay. So there's a lot of physical purging. It's, it's quite uncomfortable. Um, vomiting and yeah. sweating and shaking, all those things can come from it. But the other two that I serve, one is called Sananga and one okay. is called Hape. Okay. And Sananga is essentially, it, it, comes from, um, it comes from a particular bush and the active ingredient in it is called ibogaine, which is also very much used uh, in another medicine called iboga, an African root. And essentially, ibogaine is used very much so today uh, to help people heal from serious addictions. And so the, the, that particular medicine called sananga is actually comes in the form of eye drops. So you place it in the eyes and... Anyone who's had Sananga knows that it literally feels like two garden hoses of Tabasco sauce in your eyes. Like that's wow. the physical sensation, but it's, it's a very, it's also, if you learn to work with it, it's a beautiful medicine that, that really it's used from the sense of, well, one physically, it's very good for eye health. So glycoma, cataracts, vision, it's very good from that perspective. Okay. But the other things it's very good for is emotional clearing as well as helping people connect with their intuition or their third eye. Um, so really? that medicine is used with that. And then hape is interesting. So hape is a medicine from, um, it's, it's from, comes from tobacco. And okay. so tobacco is used. That's another thing too. Like one of the things that I've seen is almost irregardless of what culture it is, what medicine it is, tobacco is one plant that seems to be used across every single one. So those who serve, you know, mushrooms, uh, shamans who potentially serve ayahuasca, bufo, all these other medicines, 
most of them will use tobacco. And so hape is essentially like a tobacco snuff. And okay. the main ingredients are typically tobacco, ash, and then sometimes other herbs and other plants. And you, it's something that you blow up the nose. Okay. Um, and so I use it a lot for meditations to help ground people. But those are the three that I work with most closely. Cool. Very cool. It's just the way you're explaining it shows that it's a whole world. There's so much to know about it, so much knowledge that you have to, to research and, and ways, like you said, that uh, certain things you take before to, to lead up to it. And like, you can't just jump into it. And, and I'm hoping all my listeners out there do not jump into it. Yeah. Speak to Mike, send him a direct message. He'll uh, lead you on the, <laughs> the path that you need to go if you are interested in this stuff for sure. Because um, it is a... All the people that I spoke to or that I listened to that have done plant ceremonies and all that, like they have, when they're talking about it, like, like you had, you had like this shine in your eye, like you, you experience stuff and, and you learn so much about yourself and you change so much as a human after them that you want the world to understand it and you want everybody to, to take, not take it, but to, to, to go through the same things you went through to feel and to become a better person out of it, right? So it's really cool how uh, everyone that I've spoken to, or like I said, everyone that I've uh, listened to or whatever that have done these uh, things all have that same look in their face when they talk mm. about it. It's really cool, really cool. So we're going to try to land this plane. And uh, before <laughs> we do, um, well, oh uh, we have a couple uh, little things I want to ask you before we, we uh, take it, uh, end, end off the, the podcast today. But, one thing is uh, motivation, and that's a, a big thing that a lot of the listeners uh, and a lot of people out there have a hard time with, how to keep that motivation really high, how to get motivation to do the hard things, if that's either eating healthy, working out, learning about uh, different stuff, uh, becoming a better, whatever it is, where do, where, where do you as a person get that motivation and how do you keep it to make you do the, these things that you do in life? Yeah, I think for me, since, since a kid, like I've, I've always been very intrinsically motivated. So I've never, you know, awards and stuff like that are nice, but they've never motivated it. Like it's just very, it's been very just an internal process for yeah. me personally. But I would say the biggest advice or the biggest thing that I've learned and that I support people in as well is, and there's different ways we can, we can kind of refer to it, but it's just like, why are you doing like, what's your why? What's your purpose? What's your dream? What's your overarching goal? What do you want to leave this earth with? Like, what do you want your name when people speak about you after you're gone? What do you want them to say? Yeah. And how do you want to show up and serve? And so for me, I've always been connected since I was 14 about sharing, supporting and inspiring coaches, athletes and people and living their highest potential, not just in sport, but far beyond that. And so when I wake up in the morning, I have that, th that, that statement that I just shared more or less, yeah. it's written everywhere from books to journals to post-its on my, in my wall. Like when I wake up, that's like, that's what motivates me to continue to show up. And so the first thing I would, I would just offer as an invitation is to journal and connect and explore why are you doing what you're doing? Maybe you're a mom and you want to do it to be the best mom in the fucking world. Like yeah. you want to do it for your kids. That's your reason for putting food on the table, for taking care of yourself so you can show up for eating better, for drinking better, so for setting a good example. So the, the, the more connected and not just connected in the head, but connected in the heart. Actually, I would say venture to say it's the heart that 
the more you can connect with the heart and allow the mind to support that heart centered direction, focused drive, when it comes from that place, the motivation just happens. It, I mean, you have to be very conscious of it for sure to stick with it, but it's like, it's coming from a place that's constantly able to be filled. Like every yeah. day when I think about and I connect in meditation with why I'm here, who I'm here to serve and what my mission is, I'm just like, okay, I can fuck, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. I'm going to cook dinner and I'm not going to go out to eat. I can, I can train tomorrow morning. I know why I'm doing why I'm doing what I'm doing. So yeah. that's been the biggest thing for like motivation that, that keeps filling up. Cool. Cool. I like that. And it, it's, I like the aspect that you were saying, putting stuff on the walls or the books you read and everything. It just, it's a reinforcement to keeping you going forward, keeping you moving forward. It's a really uh, nice touch. And it's something that a lot of people, if you are really lacking, like, Uh, David Goggins said it well. He, I don't know if you know who Goggins is. Well, I'm guessing, yeah, I think everyone now knows who Goggins is. But besides the point, uh, in his book, he said on his mirror, he had, he had uh, writing, uh, do this, do that, and all that stuff. And he would talk to himself in the mirror and he would just build that motivation, even though he had zero at that point in time. He would build it. He would really push himself to gain it to by, by seeing quotes, by seeing this, by seeing that, and doing that in turn made him become who he is today, which is a, a beast and like a monster. And yeah. So basically that you have to grow your motivation for sure. Uh, we have a, a segment here on the podcast called the three tips. So basically it's three tips you would give the audience today to help them either get on the path of living a strong life or stay on the path of living a strong life. What would your three tips be today? All right. So I had uh You know, I was thinking about this question and like, because um, you had sent me a few notes yeah. to consider earlier. And it's like, at first they were very um, like broad, right? Like discipline, taking care of yourself, etc. But I want to give more like tactical stuff, like yeah. stuff that people like more implement, implementationable. I don't even know if that's a word, but like, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, let's, it'll also be a little recap of what we shared. Like yeah. number one, get very clear on why on your purpose why 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 do the why do the things that normally you wouldn't want to do so whether that's you know uh taking the trash out or taking better care like going to sleep at an earlier hour whatever it is what is going to be the motivation that's going to be greater than the effort and the and, and your want not to do it okay yeah. so getting very clear on your purpose and your why most important spend as much time as you need on that like Take a long time on that. Yeah, take weeks, take sure. months, take your, whatever. Sure. Just put the intention out to journal. Keep asking the question. Remain curious. So getting clear on the why, number one. Um, number two, we're going to talk about the food because I do feel like food is such an important thing in terms of giving you the energy yeah. and, and the vitality to have the resources on board so you can do your why right? Yeah. If you're constantly depleted and you're not eating well and you don't have a connection with your food, it's going to be very hard to think clearly, to feel the energy, to do those things again, that, that are going to be tough at times. So the second thing is the connection with the food yeah. focus from less from a mind place via being like, okay, I'm going to eat this many calories, this or whatever, and close your eyes, take a deep breath. And If you're open to exploring the other two things on that, you know, eat with your hands and do it with the eyes closed. Um, the third thing that I'll suggest is movement. I think right now in this specific moment, 
with the coronavirus, some people are over-exercising. Yeah. So for those, a lot of people are over-exercising, uh, but a lot of people are under-exercising. And so what I would suggest is, you know, just like putting your hands over your food and connecting with your food in terms of what you should eat, how much you should eat, et cetera, explore doing the same thing with your movement practice. And so when you wake up in the morning, have a check-in with yourself and say, you know, how am I feeling? How's my body feeling? How's my joints feeling? How's my energy feeling? Is today a day that I should train hard or is today a rest day? Yeah. And so just the simple act of asking the question is more important than what answer you get. Okay. The answer is always going to change day to day. So asking yourself the question, checking in, and then, you know, it's, it's like a muscle, right? So yeah. the more you exercise that, the more you practice the hands over your food, the more that you ask yourself these levels of awareness, you're going to get more dialed in, more sensitive, and then let that guide the process of what you're going to do, whether you're going to push it that day or whether your movement might be a little bit more gentle. But the important thing is to move every day. So move every day, point number three, but also in that same light, just like you're going to eat every day, ask yourself the question of, you know, what, what really would feel good today? Is today, should I sleep? Should I stretch? Should I, you know, go for a little walk and then allow that to guide the process? I love it. Awesome. Three little tips. And if you want more information, go back and re-listen to the episode, people, because we spoke about all these things throughout, which is amazing. <laughs> it really connects everything together. Uh, so if people want to get to uh, know more about you, Mike, uh, or uh, learn more about you or gain contact with you, what's the best, easiest, and easiest ways through social media? Be I'm most active for sure on Instagram, which is uh, my handle is at Mike.Salemi, S-A-L-E-M-I. Um, that's where I'm posting these during the coronavirus. I'm posting pretty much daily. As I mentioned, they're way more than workouts. They're very much touching on all the aspects that we went into. Yeah. Oftentimes, I hang on after and answer a bunch of questions. Uh, that's hands down the best place. And then if people shoot me a DM might take me a minute, but, uh, I'm, I'm pretty responsive through direct message and, uh, that's the best medium for sure. Cool. Awesome. So uh, do you have a website? I do. So website is Mike not.com.io. And, uh, that's where, you know, people can learn a little bit more about me, uh, and then also see some of the online programs that I have uh, right now. Awesome. Well, Mike, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your day to be on the Living Strong Podcast with us and sharing and dropping all this knowledge to our listeners. I don't know if you have any last minute words before we uh, land the flight. Yeah, if there, if you know, uh, the only last minute words would be like, man, this has been a pleasure. You know, thank you for sure for having me on. It's been a lot of fun, very easy conversation to have, yeah. you know. Um, if people are interested at all in learning more in depth in terms of especially with like, I've got, I'll be developing multiple online programs, but it's specifically uh, with kettlebells related as like, what can you do if you just had one kettlebell? I've got two programs, one that's coming out this week called kettlebell lifestyle. Okay. And it's a, it basically gives you a super, everything that we're talking about, how to check in in the morning, there's questionnaires that you can take. And then your training for that day modifies based off of how you're feeling. Okay. So it's, it's a program that actually listens to you. There's breath work, mindfulness, Ooh. active meditation, working out with kettlebells, corrective exercise. So it's, uh, it really is kettlebell lifestyle. So if that is interesting to anyone, just shoot me a DM. I'll get you guys a discount. Just mention, uh, we'll, we'll make like a discount code living strong, but yep. shoot me a DM. We'll, we'll set you guys up if, if anyone's interested and wants to dive into that.
Awesome. So like he said, shoot him a DM, mention living strong, and you'll get a little discount on that. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that, Mike. And uh, I'm going to end it right here. Thank you guys all for listening. Thank you again, Mike, for being a part of it. And everybody out there, keep living strong. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Living Strong Podcast. If you guys enjoyed what you heard and want to share this podcast with the world, there's two things you could do. You can leave us a review so we get a bigger reach and it will help us out so much. And you can leave that on iTunes or anywhere you listen to your podcast. Or you could share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much, guys. Keep living strong. Thank you for listening and being part of the Living Strong Podcast. Till next time, keep living strong.